Welcome to another edition of Len's Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest for the week, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush this week. So famously, Jerry Seinfeld once said in an episode, you know how to take the reservation, you just don't know how to hold the reservation. And that's really the most important part of the reservation, the holding part. Anybody can just take them. Well, apparently that might not even be true either, and I will get to that in a few seconds here. So in a pre-pandemic world, companies would hit the market with a new product, and they would make sure that every store had this product, and they'd keep making them until the interest would die down in a normal situation. But now, in current pandemic world, they release the product with limited production, and you have to search for said product, and then, like the late great Tom Petty once said, the waiting is the hardest part. Companies like Sony, they've released the PS5 that people want, but you can't get it. Honda has even come out with a new automatic motorcycle, but you can't find any to look at or buy. And the dealers will tell you that they're not getting any more for a month or so by the time they get it. This seems to be a similar pattern these days. And you can't just go to the store anymore and bring home all the items that you want to come home with today. So why come out with a cool product and not be able to find it? And the reason I bring all this up, because in early January, I decided, uh, my wife, uh, you know, we were looking for another car for her, and we decided that we wanted to get a specific car, and because of the colors and options and whatever, we had to go through what we call the car ordering experience, because again, the dealership didn't have what we wanted, and they couldn't find it anywhere within 500 miles, so we had to do this route. Now, I wasn't very happy about this, but they assured me the process would take about six weeks and that, of course, is the famous last words that'll take six weeks, right? So I said, okay, let's try it your way. I'd never done it. I'd always just gotten the one on the lot, and I was okay with that. So, of course, there were delays from the manufacturing plant. They couldn't get parts, and six weeks turned into 10 weeks with no updates to me, the customer, from the dealership. I always had to initiate uh, finding out, like, what's going on? You know, what are we doing here? Nothing infuriates me more than spending money and not getting the customer service to go along with it. So finally, on March the 16th, I kid you not, March the 16th, I was told the car was in. And of course, now they're rushing around. Well, when you're coming in, you know, we want to make sure you're going to pick up the car. And of course, now they care, right? So I juggled a few things, went to the dealership, and there was the car. It looked beautiful. Uh, they said, go take a look at it, right? So I looked at it. It looked great until I noticed there was no sunroof. We ordered a sunroof on this car. I know we ordered a sunroof. I gave them all the options. I looked at the sticker. It said specifically designed for me. It wasn't there either. Now, I know the dealer had screwed this up. There actually was other options that wasn't there either. So I ordered six options. You think you could get six options correct? They got four to six, which I guess in theory is good, but really four to six on a car? So again, I thought they knew how to take the reservation. I mean, anyone could take the reservation, right? Well, apparently not that well. And meanwhile, they told me they would take care of me. But again, I sit and I wait and I wait. And the biggest issue was they never even admitted to me they really made a mistake or really apologized. If they said they screwed up, I would have felt a lot better. It just seems like nowadays, no one takes responsibility. They don't own up to it if they screw up. So maybe instead of getting a car in the winter, I will get it in the summer, I guess. Not exactly first world problems, but it's just the principle it just seems par for the course. 
these days. With that being said, it's time to bring on my guest for the week. He is a multi-Emmy award-winning news anchor with WLWT News 5 in Cincinnati, co-anchoring the 5, 6, and 11 newscasts with his wife, Cherie Palolo. Let's welcome Mike Dordis to Lens Burning Bush. Mike, it is a pleasure to have you on today. Len, that was quite the rant. Yes. I appreciate That's a great way to start a Saturday morning, so I appreciate you for, for doing that. Well, I can't believe that they couldn't get six options right. Am I wrong, Mike? Am I missing something here? In baseball, they would have been a Hall of Famer. Two yes. Out of three. As Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. Remember back in the day. I, I love that. You know. Yeah. And and, and what's that? I, I can, I'll do anything, but I won't do that. I won't do that. Hey, <laughs> so I have a couple of rants. So, sure. And they have car dealerships, too. I mean, I think the, the list goes on and on. So that's one of them. The one that you just gave me was great ammunition. But um, so years ago, I was a sportscaster in Philadelphia. And my next door neighbor, I'm not even going to tell you the dealership, but my next door neighbor was a car dealer. And he's actually very successful today. I'm, I'm still with him on Facebook, and he does really well. He's remarried and, and has a great life. And every once in a while, I'll message him back and forth. But he was a car, a car dealer, lived next door to me in Philadelphia, and I wanted the car that he sells. And, I mean, we hung out. We played golf together. We broke bread together. We drank beers together, all that kind of stuff. He said, listen, dude, I'm going to tell you. So I, I've been doing this a long time. You come into my place. I will cut through all the BS. I will cut through all the, you know, specials and, and the money that, that I'm going to make the minimum amount I'm going to make on this car. You just come in. There's no negotiating. You just come in. I'll give you this car and I'll cut out all the fat and you get the car. I go, OK, that's pretty easy. So I go in and he tells me that this is going to be the price of the car. So just on a whim, before I go uh, back to pick it up, I start calling around different dealerships. And I get a better price, which is fine. Maybe it's just his dealership. But I get a couple of places that are better priced. So I call him back and I say, hey, I got a better price. So I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm going to have to go in a different direction. He goes, oh, it's all right. I'll just give you that price. I'm like, <laughs> you, told me, you told me that you cut through everything. This is the bottom line. This is the best you can do for me. Then I get another dealership to give me a better price. Oh. And you can give me an even better price than that. So uh, that's one of them. Uh, but the, my other favorite line is when when a dealer will tell you, you're sitting in there and they play the good cop, bad cop, and they're going back and forth and you're like just scratching your head. And they say, I'm not making money on this car, they tell you. Oh, I I'm not I'm not even making I'm losing money selling <laughs> you the car. I'm like, right. I, I know there are bonuses by selling a certain number of cars sometimes, but. You're not selling me a car and not making any money. You're not losing. You're not selling me the car and losing money when 10 minutes later you might be able to sell it and make money. Trust me. Mike, let's be honest. How many car dealerships are closing down these days? Not uh, many. They're hot, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you go in there, they're packed. It's like it's like going into Kroger these days, going into a car dealership. I remember I did advertising for some car dealers and I remember back in the day they would they would put $250 a car would be estimated as to how much their advertising budget was. So right. if they spent, if they sold 100 cars, it's 25,000. It's pretty easy to figure out, right? You know, whatever it is, 200 cars, it's 50,000. That's kind of where they spend their money. And if they're spending that kind of money, they're selling cars. I mean, it's, it's it, you're right. They get a bonus. Um, there's so many different things. Like this guy at, at this particular place, and I'm, I'm not bringing up the dealership name because I, I don't want to, you know, they could have had a bad day or week or whatever, but right. bottom line is through the whole process, 
I'm buying a, a car that is not, let's put it this way, inexpensive. It's, it's a little bit in between, right? Cars are expensive regardless. You can't find a car for under twenty-five or 30000 And when you get into a truck, forget it, it's even worse. But in this particular case, you know, I expect to be treated a little bit better. Like, can you give me a phone call? Say, look, you know, the factory's delayed. We're not getting any updates from the manufacturer. Something. I had to call them or email them on numerous occasions. And now they're telling me, just like your friend did, they're telling me, oh, you're getting the invoice price. You know, the, 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 my price. And I'm, you know, I'm going to lose money on this deal, right? Yeah, I'm, I, please. They're not losing money. But in this case, I hope they do. I really do. <laughs> I, because how do you not get an order right? I mean, and, and, it, and it's not like they can cut the sunroof in, you know, after no. that. Because, well, they, they could. Right. They could, but it just it probably wouldn't look too No, bad. and I'm not spending that kind of money for that. But now they told me again they're going to get back to me and they're going to do all these things. And I swear, I put the order in on Monday. I'm driving down. It was a big rush to get the order in and I'm in the car and I'm going back and forth. And I have not even, I've heard one thing from them since that they got a VIN number on the car, but they were supposed to see if they were going to get a quicker turnaround the second time. So who knows? I mean, maybe it's just not meant to be, or it's just going to be, I'm going to get this at a really good deal. By the time I get it, It'll be at the best deal, right? The insider's deal, as Jerry told Putty one time. The insider's right. deal. That's what I want. This is our Seinfeld show. If you don't mind, I'm yeah. just going to keep that one. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Another pet peeve. I got, I've got, you know, I wrote down pet peeves for this show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're, you've got your game on because, you know, Cherie did such a great job that you want to you right. one-upper, right? Is that what it is? I never want to uh. one-upper. As a matter of fact, i got to tell you, um, when it comes to Emmy Awards, she won for best anchor last year in the region. I'm applying this year, and she's not. We have made it. A, we've made a pact that we do not compete against one another. As husband and wife anchors, we will. We are team. We are not. We are not competition. So that's that's one thing that'll keep us going, hopefully, for a long time. You are so smart to do that because that is that is uh, you know when uh, when Mama is happy, everyone is happy. Happy life, happy happy wife, happy happy life, right? And same thing with happy co-anchor yeah. too, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, a couple of so a couple of things. So, when you go in for an adult beverage at a bar, you know here I am. You know, no big deal. I'm I'm no big deal. I'm just I'm a news anchor. I have a regular job and I, I make pretty decent money. But I, I bring that up because I'm in a bar and you have a young bartender. To young bartenders, I am invisible. So <laughs> you're you're at. So I just want you to know I have money. Yes. And I I tip really well. And I have been for 30, 40 years. I tip at least 20%. And if you're good, 25, 30, 40%, whatever. So I'm standing at the bar and inevitably young bartenders walking around. It's like, you don't want to be rude. You know, and your kid, if you're with your kid from college, they don't understand the whole raising your hand thing. Cause dad, dad, that's, that's really rude. I'm like, well, I'm just trying to show her that. But anyway, they'll go inevitably and the person next to me, they'll get a drink order from then the person next to me and then the person down the bar. And I'm just like, I'm invisible. I'm wondering, do kids get it that if you take care of somebody like us, that we're actually going to tip you twice? Or this kid over here is on his debit card, is going to just sign it and leave it with no money on it for you. And here I am. I'm going to give you like five bucks or ten bucks for three drinks. I, so that, that's another one for me. I would agree with you 100% on that. And I tip very well, too. And during the pandemic, I've been even 
doing much better even than the 20. I've been just kind of figuring out maybe I'll do 50 sometimes, depending on what the situation is, right? Because I know these right. people have been getting hurt through the whole time through the pandemic. They haven't right. been able to make money. So I want to do that. But you're right. If you're not, you know, if they're, you know, because let's face it, they're young enough to be our daughters, right? I mean, let's right. let's be honest. I mean, we have uh, kids that are that age. So, you know, it, it, it is, uh, I think that's the biggest reason, but they don't understand that, hey, you know, you're going to get the biggest tip from someone like that rather than you're, you're right. right. I mean, the, uh, the schlep coming in is not giving you the tip. Right. All right. Last category. Go right ahead. Now that you've gone in to purchase your vehicle, if you ever get, if you get that sunroof and if it ever comes in, yeah. And you get that car and you're out on the road. Imagine this two things, two pet peeves. Number one, people who don't take the intersection ahead of you when they're going to take a left at a light. So yeah, you know, you're getting ready to take a left. The person ahead of you stops right on the line and there's like four cars coming and you're like, you're, you're antsy because you're looking for the yellow light. Get out. You're like, get out in the intersection. You're like your mom always taught you when you were driving when I was 16, get out in the intersection. And then when that last car comes through or it turns red, then you can take a left. The people who stay on the line when, when they're taking a left turn at the light. And the other thing for me, left lane drivers on the highway. Oh. It's, it's legitimately a law, by the way. It's not just a pet peeve. You're supposed to, unless it's a crowded highway, and then it's understandable. But if it's not a crowded highway, you're supposed to keep the left lane clear for emergency vehicles to pass. Or, or just, it's a passing lane. It's a fast lane. So the people who just camp out right around the speed limit or below the speed limit, 55, 60 miles an hour in that left lane. And sometimes you just pull up on their bumper. Not not too close, of course. You pull up on their bumper and you're like, okay, I just want to see. I just want to see if they're going to move over. Like there's nobody else out on the road. It's just them in the left lane. Maybe one other car in the right lane. Oh, nope. Then then you inevitably you finally pass on the right and you look over and they're just like, no big deal. They don't, they don't seem to care. No clue. So nope. you're from, you did some work in Philadelphia, so you might know this. I'm yeah. from New Jersey and New York originally. So we would give those people the, the high beams and then they would move over. Right. But they don't understand that around here. They don't. Right. I mean, the high beams don't, they're not even looking for the lights. And nowadays you got to watch any kind of that on the road. Yeah. People, I mean, believe me, I cover the news for a living and high beams sometimes lead to problems. I mean, exactly. You can't do that anymore. You can't you, road rage is no longer, you know, <laughs> what do you, I mean, it's scary. So, yeah, sometimes you're even afraid to do the high beams. But, yeah. Get out of I, the I, way. Get, I, just, drives. Yeah, just get out of the way. That's all we ask, right? I mean, what <laughs> what in the world are you doing in the left lane? And, they, and the other thing that bothers me, too, is yeah. that trucks will move into the left lane and then they'll ride next to the other truck. Now, they're trying oh, to pass, but they're doing, the, yeah, they're doing the same speed. And you're sitting there going... You're not even doing 65 now because you're you're slowed down and the trucks are are just doing it. So it is the, right. Keep the left lane open. Uh, I think these people that think that they can be in the left lane because they're going like you know it's 70, so they're doing 71. That's okay. And again, I'm not promoting the speed limit being you know I, I'd like to obey the the laws, but right. you can move over and then get in the right lane and then let somebody else you know do it. It is. You're right. That is a huge pet peeve. The other one, what we go to the driving is now we have these 
they, they call them kind of jug handle. Like I used to call them jug handles, but they, you know, and we have one, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Burlington, Kentucky, but we have one now that they, they set up and it's over by the Kroger at 18 and you, you go to the right. Okay. Now I always put my blinker on that I'm going there. Cause to me, that's what you're supposed to do, but no one puts their blinker on. And not only that, if they do put the blinker on, they don't put the second one on to tell you that they're going to the right or to the left. And I think they should. What are your thoughts? I, I totally agree. It comes down. It's just it's driving etiquette, and that is missing uh, these days. Whatever happened to the friendly wave? I don't know. When you, you you let somebody in, somebody's stuck. There's a whole line of cars, and and you go. You know what? I'm going to be the one to let you out. Go ahead. Go ahead. And then they just go. They just drive in. It's like whatever happened to the. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, or whatever happened to holding doors open for people instead of dropping them in their face. It's funny. It's just, uh, you know, and, and you try to teach your kids because sometimes you see it in your own kids. They forget to do that. Yeah. Hey, open the door for the Like you just call them out in front of the people. You know, you'll be at like, the mall. Hey, open the door for this lady, please. There you go. Hopefully they learn when you call them out in front of people. But no, they don't. Or the work. elevator people. You you. Can you let the people off the elevator before you storm up and get in the elevator? Like, that's the idea. Let them off. It's like the subway car. You can right. get off and then I can get on. That's right. And the other thing about the elevator is funny. It's the sudden conversation stopper. It's like you have no problem being, you know, at 10 decibels level, you know, like right outside the elevator and I can hear your whole conversation. But then everybody walks into the elevator and it's like this magic room where everybody has to shut up. It's like, so I continue the conversation or I even say hello to people in the elevator because it's just funny. It's like suddenly the antisocial room. You walk into the elevator and you start looking down at your shoes or looking into the corner and you're just like, gosh, when can this 15 seconds get over with? Come on, we're, we're going to be there soon. It's like, what happens to people? They get in an elevator, all of a sudden they forget to be people, you know? I know. And it's the close quarters. I think everybody likes their space and they don't like somebody in their space. So I think that's what, what it is. The elevator's got that. Um, and then everybody's there's people that are afraid to get stuck on the elevator. So they're thinking about that. I think that's what right. it is. So that's, right. that's, but you're right. It's, it, no one seems to think about anyone else. It's like, can you think about someone for, you know, someone else for a second other than your own self? And, you right. know, like they're the most important or, or the people that go to the supermarket and they're on their phone and they got the cart and they're blocking the lane and they're oh, not man. paying attention. It's like, get out of the way. You must do this for a living or something because <laughs> every single topic you bring up, I've got some. I, I, I firmly believe this would be a great Seinfeld. I firmly yeah. believe it. Ogre, they should put a traffic signal at the end of every aisle. Because in my opinion, if you're driving free outside the aisles, it's like you're on the main highway, in my opinion. And if you're coming from an aisle, you're coming from a side street. When you get to the end of the side street, there's a stop sign. You stop, you look both ways, then you pull out in traffic. But no, not at Kroger. Oh, no. At Kroger, you could be pushing your cart down the main aisle, out in the main aisle, and all of a sudden, boom, somebody just looked right out in front of you, and they don't even say anything. Sometimes I go, excuse me, hey. You know, it's like I, I, I firmly believe people don't have grocery store etiquette. They just blindly push their cart out into the main aisle. It doesn't matter who they hit or what happens. They should put pads on those things. It, it should be like bumper cars in the grocery store. 
I, I agree with that as well because you, you're, you're trying to get the stuff and they're blocking the aisle or, they're, or you know, you, 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 you go out and they're like coming the other way and they're going fast and, and, and they've got no uh, – but you're right. If they put – they can put directionals on carts. They can <laughs> put the yeah, stop sign, drive it, get out of the way. Or how about just get out of the store? These are people right. that need to stay home and not go to the store because it's just – it, it, it is amazing. But the store premise, you know, with my first rant, it's like they don't have the inventory anymore. You go to a store, you can never go home with everything that you want. I remember one time we needed a part for um, for our oven. And right. I knew what part I needed. And I got in the oven at, maybe we got it at Home Depot. I can't remember. But went to Home Depot. I kid you not. I asked them for the part. And they said, sorry, we can't, we don't carry that anymore. We If we had to carry... Um, that it would just be too much inventory in the store. And I said, do you see the ceiling fans over there? You've got 160 ceiling fans. You really think that carrying an oven part is going to be too much for the store? I mean, come on already. This is, uh, right? Have you gone to Home Depot? Have you ever gone to the ceiling fan section? It's like right. too many. I did an episode on too many choices, and that's too many. And lately we have not as many choices in other stuff. Yeah, I will say, though, uh, Home Depot is one of those stores that they're pretty close yeah. to, to me. They, they have most everything. Uh, hey, by the way, do you ever do the uh, the Kroger app? Do you have the app? Yes, I've done the Kroger app. One of those stubborn guys, you know, Sheree makes fun of me. One of those stubborn guys who, thank God for cell phones and, uh, and uh, you know, Siri and directions. And, you know, because back in the day, I was the guy that wouldn't ask for directions right away. And then I'd end up lost, you know, or I missed an exit or and, and get all they get all fired up in the car. Um, but that app, that Kroger app is life-saving, man. I mean, where is that, that, uh, that soup? Where's that one soup or where's that one little ingredient she needed? And you just pop it in there and aisle seven, there it is. And sure enough, it takes you a little longer as a guy to find it, even when it's in front of you in aisle seven, but you know, it's a lifesaver. Yeah, no, that, that is a lifesaver. You know what else is a lifesaver? We used to do family lists, right? When you used to go to the grocery store. So what I did now is we've got Alexa on several, on a couple of different devices in the house. So if you ask Alexa, not only can you ask Alexa to play Lens Burning Bush, but you can ask Alexa to put things on the shopping list, right? So you put stuff on the shopping list. So what I do is with five people in the house, everybody is allowed to put stuff on the list. So if I go to the store, I could see it being updated sometimes with the uh, Amazon list. Sometimes you'll see, oh, they know I'm at the store, so they start looking, you know, whatever. But if I tell them, if you don't put it on the list, you don't get it. I don't care what it is. You better put it on the list. So they all now will go on. And even my 92-year-old father-in-law will go to Alexa and try to ask to put it on the list. Or he'll give it to my wife and say, yeah, put this on the list, please. So Len will buy it at the store how old are you by the way i am going to be 53 next month all right so are you pretty set in your ways as far as the products that you buy do you kind of buy the same things uh pretty much so uh i do have certain things i like i like my snapple iced tea and right. i like certain things that i have to have and if my kids mess around with it i tell them you drink my stuff you better go to the store and buy it you better right. go buy it reason i bring it up so in television a lot of the ratings are based on certain demographics. You know, the 25 to 54 age group is the most important age group. So Sheree and I and the, and the team at Channel 5, to George and, and Kevin and all the night team and everybody uh, and all the behind the scenes folks were excited because we're number one at six and 11. 
and we have been for several months in the 25 to 54 category. And people who are older than 54, and I'm about near ballpark age-wise, uh, people who are over 54, they get mad because they hear, well, 25 to 54. Uh, well, I have money. Why don't I matter? And it's like, well, we try to explain it with our conversation. People who are over the age of 54 are set in their ways traditionally. So if you're 60 years old and you have a lot of money, you probably, if you drive a Lexus, you've been driving a Lexus for 12 years. And if you buy a certain kind of steak at the grocery store, you buy that steak all the time, or you go back and do the same thing over and over. And, uh, you know, but people in that 25 to 54 age group, they tend to be people that change their minds a lot. And those are the people that you, you try to, you, you highly covet because you can flip them over from another television station in Cincinnati and win them over. And then hopefully watch you for life you know yeah you 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 want a, a listener for life just like anything else and it's uh you know television is, is a wonderful thing and we grew up watching a lot of tv i'm sure you did as well and you watched did you watch bewitched growing up a little bit a L- little bit it was okay the, the, the whole darren controversy with the two different darrens but yeah yeah and they didn't even mention it they just brought in a new darren one day it's he just like there's back, the way the guy had a bad back the first guy yeah yeah yes. uh, they Dick, replaced him and never said a word as if we're never going to notice. Hey, that's a different dude. You know? I know. It's a Dick Sar- it was Dick, Dick York to Dick Sargent. That's who they, uh, they had. But the reason I bring this up is because they're trying to do a new um, reboot of a movie for Bewitched uh, uh-huh. from the original TV show. Sony Pictures is developing a new movie based on the sitcom with Elizabeth Montgomery. And uh, according to Deadline, this is uh, Travis Fickett um, from 12 Monkeys and Nikita and um, Terry... Metallus is going to be penning the script, the TV series they had for eight seasons back in the day, and of course with Darren. So we will, you know, it seems like they can't find anything new to do. So let's let's just bring back the old stuff. What are your thoughts on the old stuff? Bringing back new. I'm not a fan of that. It is, you know, I like new stuff. I, I tell Cherie all the time, like when when there's an old show, I got people like Me TV's our sister station, and you know they have all these old shows on, and some of them are cool, and you remember them, but I really am a fan of new technology and new looks and, and the new sets and, and all the new things. So I can appreciate like the old movies, like yeah. old school or Caddyshack and that kind of stuff. But as far as like the old shows, I don't really love the remakes. What I think is funny is even though Bewitched was not my favorite show, there's always something from a show that has staying power for years and years and years, 50 years later. We're still talking about Mrs. Kravitz. Yes. So there's still, every neighborhood, you hear it, you hear people say, yeah, we have a Mrs. Kravitz over here. And it's like, and that's the one, that's the one you still remember from a half a century ago is Mrs. Kravitz, that this woman over here won't stay out of my business or this person over here is a gossip. It's like, it's Mrs. Kravitz. Mrs. Kravitz, the Yenta, as they like to say in the Yiddish world, the yes. Yenta of Mrs. Kravitz, and and you know it's it's you have that, and that became the Karen, right? Is that now the Karen, uh, the, the the person on the on the board of the homeowners association, the annoyance, and the person that is in everybody's business, Mrs. Kravitz. As Jewish man, I have a funny story for you. So I, I went to Syracuse University. I'm not Jewish. I meant you as a yeah. Jewish. Well, that's yeah. fine. But I went to Syracuse University, and, and it happened to be that probably 35% of the people that go to Syracuse University are Jewish, and many of them from New York City. And my good friend and roommate, Mark Stern, who lived on the Upper East Side in New York City, had, he had me in uh, one time for a Seder dinner, and and uh, I was being a very respectful young man, and I, I wore a yarmulke and very polite at dinner. 
And I remember my mom, who, who was from a small town and really wasn't subjected to, to many, uh, uh, it, it was just pretty much the same person everywhere you looked where she grew up. She, she said, hey, Mike, she goes, uh, did you wear one of those Yamahas on your head? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, you try. It was actually a Honda, Mom. Yeah, to be honest it, with it was a Honda. That's it. That's a great, you know. And of course, you brought up a, a great point because it is Passover starting uh, now, and uh, people say uh, have a good Pesach. But one of the things that aggravates me, uh-huh. and, th- and this is again, this was a burning bush episode before we talk about Passover, and it, it, it brings me back to in the seventies about people in different classes and, and whatever. So I, I bring this up for this reason. So when somebody says, have a great Passover to my Jewish friends, it, it just, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard. You right. could just say happy Passover and we know who it covers. So right. even, but on the other side of the fence, you know, the tribesmen do it the same way, you know, right. ha- Merry Christmas to my Christian friends. Do we really need the caveat, Mike? I mean, no. if you say that I'm now your Jewish friend, isn't that kind of wrong in some ways? I just think it's it's like, can I just be your friend? Do I have do we have to have yeah. the label? Yeah, I, I think it's wrong, but I think it's our society because, uh, first of all, the the video game age, you know, kids don't pay attention in school to things unless they're excited about it. So people, are, there's a, a lack of education as it relates to differences in culture. First of all, uh, but secondly, I think uh, people are so afraid nowadays. You know, like for example. Uh, you know, you're around the, the news table having a conversation about race and how you're going to cover a story. And, and people are uncomfortable. Yeah. Having a conversation about race. That's our job as a news organization. We're supposed to go out and do a story and, and tell it to the audience. So, you know, I think people are so afraid. They're so afraid to offend. They're so afraid. They don't know what they're talking about that. They sometimes say too much. <laughs> they they say to my Jewish friends or yeah. they say to my friends or my black friends or whatever it's like and, and i think it's it, it's born out of fear or a lack of knowledge i think sometimes people just say too much or or you know because they're they, they're around people who aren't like that right so they they think it's normal you know but so it, I, I think sometimes it's not meant to offend no I, i'm sure it's not but to, but it yeah. aggravates me to heat to see for those who celebrate like can we just right. get rid of that in the culture today I want that every time on Facebook I see it, I just get it's like, oh, nails on a chalkboard to those who celebrate. Just get rid of it all. Just say happy Passover and we can figure it out from there. Who celebrates but I from a young age? Uh, the uh, the the uh, what, is it, what is it with the uh, cream cheese that you put? Is it the, uh, the a schmear? It, it's a schmear on a bagel. Love that. Yeah. Love. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fan. Yeah, you can't get good bagels here. They call Panera good bagels. It's just like yeah. Olive Garden did the scene from Goodfellas where they, right. you know, when he says, you know, and they put ketchup on the spaghetti. I mean, it's it's not the same, you know? Just like pizza. Yeah. yeah. Hard to find good pizza here around uh, greater Cincinnati. It is. You, you find a few places, but it's not it's not that northeast pizza. They say it's the water. Yeah, in the, in it is. Market, right? You know, they say it's the, 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 the kind of water that they have in the and that the way it is that makes the dough a certain way and whatever it is, it's awesome. I'll tell you yeah. that. Well, I agree. And I think that uh, they'll tell you, even in Florida, people, because they bring so many New Yorkers down to Florida and they right. open up pizza places. Now, it's good, but it's not like New York because of the water. It, and and right. by the way, uh, with my New York accent, you got to say water because it's water. It's not, it, you it's, know, it's, it's kind of like. In Philly, it's water. <laughs> 
W-O-O-T-E-R. It's Wooter. You could pick a Philadelphian out of anywhere when they say, you know, right away you hear them say Wooter. And it's like, oh, you're from Philly, huh? You Flyers fan? You know, whatever. Yeah, unfortunately, a Flyers fan. Yeah, the, um, and it, just certain things here, it's like they put the R in wash. It's wash the car, <laughs> right? I mean, I just... Again, there's certain things that you and the other thing I couldn't, you know, I've been here for 20 years, so I'm used to it right. now. But the other thing that I don't understand is in New York and New Jersey, when you didn't understand somebody, you went, huh? Or huh? What? You know, what? What is here, it? Yeah. And, and oh, I'm sorry, you cut out there. What was that? Here they say the people who are from Cincinnati say, please. Yeah. Please. I, and, huh? What I, does the, that mean? And then in Indiana, they say, do what? <laughs> I, yeah, it's it's like a whole language that you have to understand. Like Pittsburghese, have yeah. you ever been? Yeah, where it's did you, could you, would you, would should you, Kansas, you know. Well, you know, I got to say, Pittsburgh does a pretty good job for putting like egg and all kinds of a heart attack on a sandwich at Promonte Brothers. Have oh. you have you ever been? Oh. I have. Have you ever been to the Rochester, New York area? Yes. Have you ever heard of Nick Tahoe's? You know, I, I it rings a bell, but I don't think I've ever. Uh, right. gone there. That's for your audience to Google and for you to Google. And if you're ever traveling through beautiful upstate New York, stop at Nick Tahoe's. They have what are called garbage plates. It's basically a place that most people show up at about two in the morning when the bars close, but they have garbage plates. So for example, a cheeseburger plate is a mix of cut up cheeseburger, macaroni and cheese, hot sauce, eggs, all this stuff mixed into one. And it's at that time of night or, in, or early in the morning, it's just like perfection. Oh, that, sa that sounds good because, you know, otherwise you go to Waffle House here, right? Right, which yeah. I love. Yeah, I, we all, of course, there's not, what's not to like? Exactly. You know, you even got the grits. Do, do you like the hominy grits or you like the, <laughs> no, you like it? Yeah. I like not mine a, too that way. Not a grits guy. <laughs> no. Not, not a grits guy. Though. I was referring to the, my cousin Vinny line with the, with the grits. Do you like your grits? <laughs> you know, <laughs> The two utes. The, the two utes, exactly. My the cousin Vinny. My favorite is, I can't even say, I, I, don't, I can't swear on, on the air, but my favorite things from my cousin Vinny is when he falls asleep during the argument in court. Oh. And then they go, Vinny, Vinny. He goes, hey, whatever they said is bull yeah. <laughs> That's classic. That was classic. I love it. I, I like, I got, you know, I'm sitting here. I got uh, your biological clock. Got the weight of this case. I mean, can we put more stuff on this case to do it? And then he just kind of gives that uh, the face that is such a great movie, but one of my favorite lines is Marissa Tomei just basically says, picture this, you're a deer, and you go down to a brook, and you put your lips down to the ground, and you take a sip of water, and then bam, they shoot you right in the head. Now I ask you, would you give a crap what the person that was wearing, you know, what they were wearing, what pants they were wearing? <laughs> I just, uh, Marissa Tomei was brilliant in that movie. Uh, oh, yeah. She, she, yeah. Was, she was fantastic. Great. It was a great combo to have the two of them in that movie. That was that was really good. Yeah. So, she's been in a lot of movies that I like. Some of those mob movies are great. Oh. His character, awesome. Good fellas. Really? No, I don't yeah. shine shoes anymore, Mike. Just so you know, I don't. I don't shine you mean shoes. Like, you mean like a clown? Funny? <laughs> what do you mean by funny? Like. What a... do you... Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I know you guys are dog lovers, or at least I know Sheree is. But this is one thing you want to get her not to do. All right. Yeah. So I got one last thing for you. Uh -huh. Paris Hilton, of course, you know Paris Hilton, right? Sure do. Yeah, she went on a shopping spree at Privé Porter or whatever. I think it's Privé. Um, they got Hermes Birkin bags in Miami, Florida, right? So right. she purchased two purchase, uh, purses, that is. 
Um, and she, the second purse that she purchased was for her tiny Chihuahua. Diamond Baby is the Chihuahua's name. That You know it's in, it, it, this is getting to a good story. So she got her purse. Uh, her purse was 24500 by the way, which is more than some people make in a year. But that's yep. another story. Yep. So the, the puppy walked away with a Hermes Micro Kelly charm. Now, $5,500 for a charm for the dog. Yeah. I, I, you know, I guess you got a lot of disposable income if you're spending 50. First of all, 24000 on a on a purse is a little bit much, I would think, well, too. You know, well, first of all, back to the dog lover thing. Uh, Cherie is a dog lover. Yes. And the kids lovers. I'm a secret dog lover. I really do love the dogs, but the kids all think that I, I'm the one who, you know, pushes them outside into the cold and all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is when they're all asleep, I spend time bonding with the dogs and I, I am an animal lover and um, I'm not on the level of a Cherie, believe me, not, not even close, but yeah, of course, you know, you know, I've had dogs and cats my whole life. It's just their responsibility. And sometimes it's like, you know, it, in my old life, I, you know, I didn't have really any dog responsibility. And then all of a sudden now, I've, you know, you have a bunch of dogs and it's, it's kind of crazy. But along those lines of the Paris Hilton story, we did a, a read the other night, probably maybe it was a month ago or so, where a guy passed away and left $5 million to have his dog taken care of. And I'm thinking, that's a noble thing, like, because you had such, it's kind of cute in one way um, that you have this animal that you're so close to that you want to make sure they're taken care of. But then you think about what $5 million could really do for, like, people who honestly are life or death almost every day with eating. And it's like, so you're supposed to on the TV news, you're supposed to say, Oh, isn't that cute? But I, I call it out on the air. And I'm like, I, I literally said after the story on one hand, that's really awesome. On the other hand, gosh, I wish they could use that $5 million for something a heck of a lot uh, broader, you know, yeah. than take of this dog and making sure that they're taken care of yeah. again people live in their own bubble they they yeah. you know planet population one right they just they that's all they see they don't they don't see anything else but the two of you work together now i asked sheree this yeah. question i because i would kill my wife i don't think we could ever work together how do you guys work together uh i know sheree said you've had some disagreements in the car but you know <laughs> where you don't speak but how does this go off doing that working together being there because you wake up in the morning there she is you're at work there she is i mean at some point you know I, I couldn't do it i give you a lot of credit well okay i'm gonna say that and this isn't just the right answer because you're saying it's the right answer i'm gonna say we have so much passion and love for each other that it kind of outweighs everything because it is sometimes you shake your head and you wonder how we do it because she's type a i'm type a I'm a control freak. She might be more of a control freak. It's pretty close. It's like a good battle. And uh, so a funny story, long before we had this kind of relationship, when I first got to town, I I'm just like a take charge kind of person. I don't know if she even told you the story. She might have, but it was one of our first times doing breaking news. And we were in a commercial. I said, okay, so um, when we come back from break, why don't you take that? And then I'll do this. And then you can talk about this and I can do this. And here she is. She's been there about 13 years as the anchor. And she's looking at me like, who the heck, is, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Telling me like what I'm going to say and what he's going to say and all that. And, and, and there was a little bit of, um, not, I don't want to say friction, but it was just like, you know, that kind of thing where we're trying to dance for the first time as partners. And, and you could tell that it, that she's looking at me like I have three heads. And then 
I just, you know, just like a Northeast guy. And I, I call a meeting with her after one of the shows. And I said, hey, I just want you to know this. I don't want to take your FaceTime. I don't want to take your reads. I don't want to be on the air more than you. I want to win. And I want to be successful as an anchor team. So I want you to know that my motives are always sincere out here on the anchor desk. I'm not competing with you. Uh, and, and let if we work together, we can we can do this. And here we are all these years later. And it worked out not only on the anchor desk, but it worked out in life. And uh, yeah, but it, it's a it's a delicate balance because my biggest problem is I won't shut up. You know, there are times as a woman, you just need to be left alone. You know, it's like for whatever reason, they veer off into a mood for a moment or something uh, emotionally gets them that doesn't get us. And and they get down into this valley. And it's like, OK, I know that I need to shut up. I know that I should just be quiet. I know that I should just let it go. And guess what? I don't. Let it go, Mike. Let it go. I don't. I gotta let it go. I gotta do. What's that stupid movie? The kid. The kid movie. Cherie, what's the Let It Go? Oh, uh, Frozen. 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 Yeah. 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 Frozen. I need to listen to that song in my head sometimes. Let it go. Right? Let it go, Mike. Let yeah. it go. Don't say anything. But you're right. It's like we. I joke when we do charity events together. We wake up in the morning together. We might be apart for an hour or two when she goes to the gym and I do my walking that she makes fun of. Uh, that, that's my workout walking. And she goes to the gym and does hardcore stuff. But then we get back together around lunchtime. Then we drive to work together. Then we sit together in an office. Then we sit together on the anchor desk. Then the show ends. And then we, then we drive home together. And then we're in the same bed together. So, yeah, there's no escaping it. But I think that the love outweighs everything. As hokey as that sounds, it's true. Because if there was a disconnect in a relationship or if there was a lack of love or passion we'd be screwed <laughs> you know what i mean well i so love I, it and you re, yeah. you know sheree reminded me of this and i and seeing you it, you guys would be a candidate for the old show tattletales and we need to have that where you put the headphones on and you go in the back and you play for the the banana section i think that we need to bring back that that show tattletales where they ask the wife the questions and what you think she would say Right. And what was the other one? Uh, who was the what was the show was like, OK, when you guys make Whoopi. Oh, that was a newlywed game. Newlywed game. Yeah. yeah that, Some of the answers on that were priceless. Yeah. There was a oh. lot of good answers that we probably can't talk about right now. But to, no, we'll do it <laughs> off for sure. Well, Mike, you can like uh, Lens Burning Bush on Facebook at Lens Burning Bush and you can follow at Lens Burning Bush on Twitter. We even have a YouTube channel. Um, Len Harvey uh, YouTube channel. So I think it's Lenny L1015 on YouTube. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean. Half these things I don't even know. iHeartRadio, you could tune in. Uh, make sure you ask Alexa to play Len's Burning Bush podcast um, on Amazon Music and now Stitcher. We've got about 33 states. We also have some loyal listeners in the UK, um, which right. I always like to say have some kippers and eggs, a little bit of uh, fish and chips. You if missed one. I did? Yeah, there's the Walmart and Mason also plays you over the loudspeaker. I don't know if you know that or not. I did not know that. Look at that. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we have to get all the people, give them all the credit. But it's, right. it's been a lot of fun doing this. We've got 50 uh, other episodes to listen to. you got to catch up. Uh, but this has been so much fun, Mike. I, you and I could go on and on. I guess it's that Northeast uh, right. thing together here because we could just yeah. continue this all day. But uh, I, give, I, I love the fact that you guys uh, – you know, not only marry, do the news, do everything. It's just you guys are wonderful together. It, you can tell, and I'm I'm happy for you guys because I think it's wonderful. 
Well, it's all legit and it's not fake. It's not forced. It's all what you see on TV is how we feel about each other and what you get. So I, hopefully that works. Oh, it does. And uh, thank you, Mike Dardis. Uh, thanks for being on this show. I am Len Harvey. We'll be back again with another episode of Len's Burning Bush next week. So long.